Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Blizzard Watch Podcast. Uh, I'm Matt. I'm your host. With me this week is my fantastic co-host, Joe. How are you doing, Joe? I am doing fantastic. How about yourself? Uh, you know, I just race changed my uh, Death Knight to, to Void Elf. I don't know why. And hey, somebody's like photobombing the stream. I don't think he even knows he's on a stream. Nope, he didn't. <laughs> if you're watching the stream, you get to see that. If you're not, you didn't. It's one of the fun things about you know having your character be standing in the middle of a capital city. I gotta start playing my horde characters more just so I can show off the Zaralore more. Zaralore is actually one of the most beautiful things they've ever done in this game. Annoying as heck to try and get around in, but beautiful. I don't think there's any way you can you can argue that it isn't. I think it was uh, designed with flying in mind. And then they took flying out, so yeah. Yep. But uh, this week we're gonna do things a little bit differently because, uh, quite frankly, there's not a ton of top stories today. And I feel like we're going to give those a rest because we got a pretty decent amount of questions sent in via email and sent in via our Patreon. If you are, uh, by the way, if you want to ask us a question, uh, you can do so via our Discord. Uh, there's a queue, there's a podcast queue and, and, and there's a patron podcast queue and questions channel. I knew I would get it out of my mouth eventually. And you can, of <laughs> course, also email them to us at, you know, uh, podcast uh, at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast or Blizzard Watch three notes for the show. And you guys sent in quite a few this week and some of them are pretty long. So I figure we'll just do those this week. We'll just we'll just look at the emails and get through as many as we can. And then we'll be done. This that's the show day. So uh Joe, if you don't mind. Absolutely. Greetings watchers with BFA assaults taking us to old zones, mists, cata, and the game being updated to show you the fastest route to get there. I'd be interested to see Shadowland assault world quest zones, the dead soulless animalists coming from the living. Uh, do you think this could be what Blizzard means for 9.0 prepatch? Do you think it is something we could get later in the expansion? Thank you. And as always, keep up the good work. This is from our friend, the Kunka. So I'll let you start on that one. That's a, that's a good question. I would like it if they did something where Shadowland ties back into the old world where we actually see the effects of what's happening. That's one of the things that I liked about the Legion invasion stuff was you got to see the Legion invading various parts of Azeroth before you actually went after them. And I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, and I would like it if they, they hearken back to that. I, I feel like BFA tried to do it. Yeah. Not, not just not just in, in the, what they're doing with uh, Nizoth assaults and so forth, but they tried to do it with the whole thing where you went back to Darkshore and f tried to fight the or tried to be part of the invasion. And that was all well and good. And seeing the Lordaeron thing that, that did tie it into a bigot pit and the Warfronts kind of did that too. But I feel like it would work better if they kind of went back to Legion and looked at how they did it there and sort of did that where... I, I honestly think that the Warfront, after Warfront zones that they give us, like when when we've decided, okay, right now the Horde has Arathi. Um, not Ar yeah, it's Arathi, isn't it? Yeah, the Arathi Highlands. Like right now the Horde has the Arathi Highlands. The the Alliance are trying to work to take it over, and so right now the the Horde has World Quests here. I thought that worked fine, and I would like to see them do something like that for Shadowlands, but not have it be like you know flipping between things. Just have it be. Here's the Shadowland assault on, as an example, Terrasfall Glades. Here's the, the Shadowlands assault on um, Westfall. And the, dead are, the dead are actually rising and everything's going crazy. That could be really cool, and I would be interested. Uh, but what do you think? 
I want them to go back to the idea of a worldwide event. And so they, they kind of did that with Legion, but I'm remembering back in like the vanilla burning crusade days when they did the, the scourge invasion thing. And that was hap could happen anywhere. It was an infectious disease that hit the player base. I'd like to see something on that ambitious of a scale, especially with this. Have it be the old zones. Have it be these, you know, anima sinks where, like, power is being pulled from Azeroth into the Shadowlands. Like, have fissures open up. I mean, I'm not going to say rifts because, well, you know. <laughs> um, but have these things open up that, like, breach the realms between the, do the two different realities. Have it be player impacting in these zones. And have it be something that is completely just... Azeroth wide like and like you said the, with Legion the pre-invasion was everywhere and that was really really cool like it could happen anywhere you could go you could do the events and it was it was something that felt a little more organic than what we're seeing now which is yeah we're getting assaults but we're getting assaults only in two areas it's not quite like they said it was going to be and maybe it was overly ambitious uh, when they first put it out there but I think with Shadowlands, they could plan to do it. And the other thing is, over the years, they've got the technology in place now. Like, remember when phasing technology wasn't a thing and they still did large-scale events like this? Now they have the ability to control population and how players interact with it. The technology has caught up with it. Servers have been upgraded uh, to be able to handle these types of things. So I want to see them do more of it. So, yeah, I want a big Shadowlands Assault World Quest event that's like 9.0, that's pre-patched, that's Sylvanas shattered the the barrier between realms, and now we got to deal with the consequences. What does that mean in the immediate? You know, not what it means for the future. What does it mean right the heck and now? So, yeah, I'm, I, I want that. That's where I'm at with it. All right. Well, you're reading emails, dude, so... <laughs> Yeah, I just wasn't sure if there was anything else you wanted to go. The next one is from Kaz, uh, or Zadis. This is question for the Blizzard Watch podcast. When building a new transmog set, do you have a piece that you always start with? I know I've heard Rossi talk about finding a set to go with a new weapon or with his new shoulders, exclamation point. But outside of that, do you have an order you go in? Our raid does a transmog contest each week, and the winner of the previous week picks a theme. So I'm often just starting from an idea. Go ahead. I'll let you start well, with that one. Well, I mean, honestly, one of the things is depends on the character I'm playing. Uh, for for instance, I had a set that I was using on my Death Knight when she was a Night Elf, and it does not work for me on the Death Knight now that she's a Void Elf. Uh, it, it was a very it was a very Night Elfy inspired thing. For instance, also this happens with my Night Elf Warrior. I, I have sets that I built to look Night Elfy. Um, my 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 dwarf paladin, my dark iron dwarf paladin. Uh, most of the sets I build for her are built around the idea of her being a paladin, uh, and especially since she's a dark iron. What does it mean when a dark iron becomes a paladin? Because the dark iron spent a long time being dominated by Ragnaros, who is not really into the holy light as such. So do, how does she interpret it? What does she think when when she touches the holy light? How does she look at it? I think she sees it very much as a it's based around the idea of heat, heat and light 
for Dark Iron Dwarf is all based in molten rock and, and fury and fire and so forth. So that's how she sees the light. The light is something shed by heat, by fire. Whereas my Draenei, my light forged Draenei, his, his stuff is much more about, quite frankly, look at my sweet tats. Like he's got nice chest tattoos and I show them off at every possible opportunity. So that's how I do him as opposed to doing the, the, the night elf. The night elf is much more about looking as night elfy as possible. Or the other thing I do sometimes is I'll build around a weapon. Like Ashkandi, I love Ashkandi. Ashkandi is one of my favorite drops. It's my favorite looks in the whole game. It doesn't work with everything. Uh, it's a very, it's a muted red and black. It works really well with red and black looks. It doesn't work really well with everything. Um, it's it's actually pretty difficult to build a set that goes with it. Quite frankly, uh, I've I've had trouble with it sometimes. Um, so so I'll look at the weapon and say, okay, what matches this? What goes with it color wise? What goes with it aesthetic wise? Um, for instance, right now, if you were watching the stream, my my uh, my Death Knight is is wearing a set that I, I got from Legion. It's a it's actually a set of greens that drops in Legion. It's not an actual set, but it's got a really good United theme, and it's it's basically gold but with green accents. So the weapon I'm using with it is bright. It's got like a lot of green accents to work with it, and that's the kind of thing I'll do quite frequently to to match those accents because it's. Color can be the hardest thing to do in Transmog, to match colors together, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, because the palettes are, are so, I don't want to say mismatched, they're so varied, even between, like, basic colors. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you can have a, a, a black set that the black does not work with the black weapon that you have, because the, it's a different, like, the, the armor is, like, a kind of matte finish that kind of, like, diffuses light when it hits it, and the weapon is, like, much darker, and it's really noticeable. Um, one of the weapons I I loved using for like my my Draenei for the longest time were the Black Blades of Sharam, not the Bleak Blades that dropped in 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 Warlords, the original actual Black Blade of Sharam that I have I have the Transmog for, um, because my Human Warrior actually had the thing. I remember getting it, and uh, as a result of that weapon, that weapon's a kind of a like it's a very light gunmetal gray, and it goes extremely well with the Warrior. Um, dungeon set two from from vanilla the uh the the war i want to say the battle gear of heroism i think it's called yeah something like that i didn't actually have it when transmog you know first came out because i had like the pieces that i had of it i had vendored a long time ago but they brought the look back for armor that you could get in uh i want to say mists yeah it was in mists they brought the various dungeon set two armors back that you could get just doing the, the the quests in the barons, and I did the whole barons thing just to get that look. So because I, I had the bracers and the and the and the shoulders already, but everything else I didn't have. So I went back and did those just to get that set because it goes so well with the black latest Sharam. The colors are really they really complementarily match. So yeah, that, that's but you know I've talked enough about this, Joe. What about you? <laughs> uh, for me, it also largely depends on character. Uh, so my uh, my hunter one of my original two characters that i played this is my original alliance character um she has always and will always wear tier two dragon stalker that's just her and that's because of way i used to rp with that character and that the story of her getting that set the story of her getting rockladar 
and and everything that went with it, like with our peeing with that character, it became so integral to that character in my brain that that's that's her transmog. The only time I change it is if I'm doing some story stuff and, you know, maybe she it's a little too flashy for the mission at hand or whatever the case is. Yes, I still RP. Anybody out there wants to say anything about it, fight me. Um, but it's it, it, that that's her, right? Like that that doesn't change with Loader, my shaman. It's completely mercurial. Each expansion sort of has a theme around which he sort of in like embodies. So like Warlords of Draenor, it was very much wind magic centric because we had some beautiful armor pieces that really showcased the harnessing of like the element of air. And it was something that we hadn't really seen in a very, very, very long time. Um, you know, there was also the Miss of Pandaria with getting the uh, Siege of Orgrimmar and the Dark Shaman transmog, which that was a trophy for him. So once I finally got it, that thing stayed on him for almost a year. Like, I didn't move that up, but that was just because that was how it is. But for him, it's trying to fit whatever the theme of that expansion or that particular content here really brings forth. So, like, Battle for Azeroth, it's been a lot more uh, totemic stuff, a lot more totemic in nature because of how we're interacting, at least in the horde side, with the Loa and and the masks and, and things like that. It fits more uh, with his interaction in my brain. Uh, everybody else, it's usually just whatever the theme is with the guild. So if we have a theme that, like, everybody, it's it's Fire Night, then we'll go with that. But for me, my transmogs usually start with something deeply personal to the character, or something that reflects the mindset of the character in that in that particular expansion or tier of content. Because for me, I can't divorce the uh, the the mentality of role playing that character in that content, and that's just an expression of it. So yeah, uh, moving on, we have a question from Mir slash Chris. Question for the Blizzard Watch podcast. Hey there, I was doing World Quest in Arathian. I noticed that the Syndicate Harvest Shredders now seem to have stealth. I don't remember this being a thing before. Is there a lore reason why Harvest Shredders can go invisible? Perhaps they need to sneak up and get the drop on some particularly aggressive corn. Or is it just a funny bug? Keep up the good work. Uh, character name is actually Mirtini. is a Night Elf Monk from Bronzebeard EU. I don't think it's a bug. I just think it's, you know, to make them harder for you to deal with. Uh, I think they just did it. They did it on purpose. They didn't actually stop and think about if it made sense. I think keep in mind the harvest shredders are attacking you, not corn. So it's very likely that the, you could always are, you could always sit around an RP and explanation that the syndicate have deliberately made this harvest shredders able to stealth to make them more effective as things that attack and kill people. Um, but I don't think it's a bug. I think it's just they're invisible because it makes it a little harder for you to do stuff there. Yeah, I mean, I always took it with a grain of salt. Like, that's one of those things where I agree. I don't think it's a bug. Uh, it's just a game mechanic. But if you really wanted to immerse yourself in it, they're just really well-oiled machines. You just can't hear them coming. Like, like that's justify it any way you want, but it, it's it's not a bug. It's definitely not a, a, a mistake of any type. Yeah, they did that on purpose. Yep. 
All right, next question. Hey there, friendlies. I was thinking recently about how far WoW has come since Classic from a game mechanics point of view and made me think, what would I like to see implemented in the future? Because I love playing alts, I'd love to see the developers, excuse me, the developers implement better systems to encourage alt play. They've done some cool stuff in the past, like with account-bound items and achievements, but what I'd really like to see would be a centralized item system. Think Guild Bank, but just for my account. I could put all my BOA items in there, like the seasonal gear upgrades, currencies, mats, etc., and then can access them from any other character without having to mail things around to different tunes like all the time. What do you guys think? It shouldn't be too hard to achieve given the technology is largely there in an existing guild bank system. What other things do you think could make the game more alt-friendly? Uh, this is from Jassion on Frostmourne. I mean... This is pretty I mean, much the Diablo stash, isn't it? Yeah, that's what Diablo does. Um, I think if they wanted to do that, they'd have already done it because it, it does seem like a really simple and, you know, why why don't they do it sort of idea. I don't have an answer as to why they don't do it. Um, I certainly wouldn't mind. I, to a degree, it would be kind of limited in the fact that a lot of stuff I keep in my bank is soulbound. Like a lot of, like, I, I, I'm a weapon hoarder. I don't. I'm, I don't like to get rid of weapons, and when I do get rid of them, I feel really bad about it. Which is one of the reasons why when Transmog came in, I had all this stuff mm -hmm. that I'd held on to. Same. That I, so I, I got it as soon as Transmog came in. So, yeah, it wouldn't actually help me any, because none of that stuff would be usable by my alts. But, I mean, it would certainly be better than having to mail a ton of stuff to yourself. Like what I mean, when you're trying to do crafting on one alt for another character, it's annoying to have to like you know get on the character who's got all the mats and mail that stuff to the crafter who then does the crafting and then mails all. And what if you have the stuff for that crafting on multiple characters and you're gonna have to log on each guy? And it's not feasible for some of us to start entire bank guilds for the. I mean, I know people who've done it high end. Um, but it's not something that, that you can do like that all of us can do. So I don't, I'm not opposed to this idea and I think it would be a good one, but I'm looking at the fact that they haven't done it and it's 2020 and wondering why they haven't done it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, is there something I don't know that's, that makes this a bad idea? That's where I am on it. I, I would like to see it personally, uh, but I am wondering why it hasn't already happened. I'm in love with this idea. Honestly, and it's something that I've asked for since the Diablo stash became a thing, because I really do think that this is something that would be really good for people that want to play alts and want to transfer things aside from using the mail system. The mail system is great, and yes, they've made a lot of improvements to it over the years, but you still have to go find a mailbox. You still have to go and make your way to a city, and sometimes that takes players out of the game. And that can be really troublesome, especially if you can't fly yet. Uh, I would love to see a specific unified mailbox. We had void storage for a while, and that was kind of an interesting concept. But what if we took void storage and instead of having it be per character, have something like this where we can shove account-wide things in there, whether it's consumables or you know, leveling gear or BOA gear, stuff like that, it would make life a lot easier, especially with the ability of things to drop bank, uh, bank ability, like items or bank gizmos or whatever the case is. Um, it's also 
kind of really cool to keep stuff organized. Like you could take all those BOA things that you have maybe stored in your bank, looking at myself here, and put them somewhere where your alts will actually be able to use them when you remember them instead of having to keep switching between characters. Like I just think that's a really, really cool idea. Uh, as far as other ideas go with that stuff, I don't know what would make alts more friendly to players. Uh, I know what I like as far as playing alts is just, and people disagree with me and that's fine. Sometimes I just want to skip over some content. Like to me, that's a big alt thing because if I've seen something 15 times and I'm not trying to start the, the, the discussion up again, because I, Matt and I, I think killed that one for like almost an hour. But for me personally, some of that stuff I'd like to like, okay, well I've seen this intro 15 times. I don't want to see it again. I don't need to don't, see it again. I don't think it's disputable that that would be a good thing for people who have a ton of alts. Yeah. Um, I'm just, I don't, I'm to a certain degree. I wonder how many alts the game actually wants to encourage. Yeah, that's, and that's a really a good question. Argument. Yeah. That's a separate discussion to what would be useful for people who want to play a lot of alts. I think things like what he's talking about, what you're talking about are absolutely, they're indisputably something people with a lot of alts would want. Um, I think another thing people with a lot of alts would want would be like an easier way to get into the new class. Yes. Like um, not necessarily you, you know, you automatically start at like a higher level, but there's, when I play my death Knight, there's usually like an hour, an hour and a half, especially if I haven't played them in a while. Like if I'm playing my, all my alts every day, like if I get on my warrior, do stuff, get on my, my paladin, do stuff, get on my death Knight, do stuff. That's one thing. But if I haven't played my death Knight for a couple weeks and I go back to it, it can be nightmarish. Like I'm like, what do I do? Oh, right. This ability again. And I, I do think that a system that helped with that would definitely be welcome among people who play a lot of alts and who may not necessarily have a ton of time in all of them. Um, Cause if you've got 12 alts, if you give each of them 20 minutes of playtime a day, that's like three, four hours. You know, thinking about this, this might be a good case to bring back some of the class-specific quests that used to be back back during the days of Classic that literally were there to teach you how to play your character. And I know we've talked about that in the past with uh, the idea of we level so fast that nobody knows how to play their character anymore. Uh, whether you agree with that statement or not, like some people feel that way. But way back in during the days of Classic, the quest experience, there was something specifically there for your character class to introduce you to mechanics and how to play them. And I think we miss that now a little bit. Like, I think we've moved to a point where we take for granted the fact that a lot of this information is existing on the Internet. And I think we've sort of come to rely on that where the in-game experience doesn't necessarily have to inform that anymore. And I think sometimes because there's so many options out there, so many different class discords and different guides and, and different opinions on what the best way to do things are, that sometimes that can be overwhelming and daunting to somebody who wants to try a new class. If there was something in the game that was designed, if even if it was a scenario or something, like, here's the paladin healer scenario, or here's the arms warrior scenario. That sort of gives you an introduction to how that character is going to play and give you an idea of the core concepts of that character class. They I do think have that'd be really good. They do have this if you're boosting a character. Yes, but you have they to boost have the, the character. character. You have to do the trial thing. I think it would be a bit cool if 
at any time you log on, you could say, okay, uh, I'm going to sign up for the scenario that's like, you know, refresher. So you're back on your death night. You know what I mean? You're, you know, not to use this, you know, you wouldn't want it in game like, so you're back on your bullshit, huh? But that would seriously be what the quest would be. It'd be you back on your BS. It's you, okay, you're doing that again. Here's how it works. Like, well, oh, yeah, right. Or what if they unlocked, I mean, I don't know how stressful this would be on the game, but unlock the trial permanently for everybody where, like, if somebody wants to try a class, they can literally go try a class. They can go to that scenario. It's not specifically like you for the boost it's here you go here's the scenario go play like i think that would go a long way to helping players get comfortable with an alt i think that's i don't know i I love idea something where you can something where you can get a refresher would be a good idea in my opinion yeah i agree other than like what i've done recently to people and showed up in a and and tanked a, a mythic on a character who is like, you know, I've just played for five minutes this month. <laughs> so, you know, that was fun. Uh, sorry, I haven't played this character in like six months. You know, it's not always a great thing. All right. Our next question comes from Tet Semi. Uh, question for the Blizzard Watch podcast. In the Orgrimmar portal room, if you stand in the center and look up, you'll see a grate uh, with a full moon and stars shining down even during the day. If you talk to the Nightborn Elf, Leyline Navigator, that's sitting on the stair railing as you come in, he says, the orcs do enjoy their mood lighting, don't they? Unfortunately for me, it doesn't quite lend to the best environment for studying. If you hang a left as you're walking out of the room, uh, there's a troll, Zanchi, who says, Hey man, the mages of the Horde be finally coming together to make the traveling a bit easier. Uh, that whole sh- uh, shtick. Uh, I'm going to stick to supervising. Trust me, these loonies need it. Uh, what other interesting settings and or conversations have you stumbled across in game recently that made you stop and explore the areas uh, as opposed to just running through and or using the area for what it was for? So basically, what odd things have we seen that have sort of caught our attention and had I'm us I'm never going to forget the first time I played my Blood Death Knight and I went to uh, Dalaran because this was in Legion. And I had just gotten the uh, the artifact for death for uh, blood death knights, and as I walked by somebody, they stopped, looked at me, and said, "Is that axe screaming?" <laughs> and the other person was like, "I didn't hear anything." And th- there's just like right now, I'm standing in the game. I'm standing on the uh, deck of the Arceus. Yeah, of Arceus. And there's a flight commander who's currently he's like lecturing his flyers. He's you know go he's doing a whole thing, you know we're not going to get surprised like we were on the broken shore. Go report to Lady Alistar for your assignments. And I just it's cool because it's like the world is happening around me. You know what I mean? Like it's not just my character; it's the whole world happening. Uh, I don't I haven't seen anything that interactive and cool in Battle for Azeroth. There's been some stuff that's been kind of interesting. Um, I think if you go if you go to Varian's Memorial, there's a couple of guards who are like talking around it. I haven't seen anything like I haven't been in org enough to see anything. So that's un that's an unfortunate thing. So yeah, I talked about this a little bit on Lore Watch this week, but one of the the things that I've recently really enjoyed is 
in particular, the aftermath of everything that's happened with Sylvanas in Orgrimmar, there's a ton of little things that are happening in every single one of the areas of Orgrimmar. So, like, you go into the bank, and there's literally one of the tellers refuses to deal with NPCs that are, you know, called out as being Sylvanas loyalists. There's trains of people being led around in chains of various races, not just uh, Forsaken, that are Sylvanas loyalists. Uh, and there's little tiny snippets all throughout the city about, you know, there's there's things about remorse. There's things about, you know, what are we going to do now? What does the future hold? Like, what what does it mean to be Horde now? You know, in these these all these little moments. And that's actually really cool for me because I've been exploring that a lot more recently, trying to hang out in different areas, different times of the day, see if there's different different things that they've put in and because it makes it feel more alive. And that's one of the, the things that I think I, I look for in WoW nowadays is I want the world to feel, I hate to say immersive, but it's really the best word I can think of. And so when things, big major events happen and we can start seeing NPCs react to it and cities react to it, not just players running around in the middle of like Ironforge doing nothing. Uh, like it feels way more immersive. It feels alive. It feels important. And I like that. I like those little things. Yeah, there's um, one thing I will also bring up, although I've not actually seen this myself because none of my characters kept the eyeball. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, this character hasn't even gotten the eyeball because I, I wasn't playing her at the time. Uh, if you've kept the eyeball and you've killed Nazoth and you run into one of those NPCs that's also got the mark, they will have a conversation. Like You will see them having a conversation about why is this thing still here? If, if Nazoth is gone, why do I still have this? And it's just really neat. It's just like, why do you still have it? That's a good question, NPC. Uh, <laughs> so it's like one of those things that I thought was interesting. I thought I would bring up since we were talking about that kind of thing. Our next question. Greetings, Blizzard Watchers. I have been a longtime follower since the WoW Insider days. You guys rock. Well, thank you. My question uh, in the Legion end cinematic, Sargeras stabs Azeroth with his giant sword. He places his left hand on the planet while stabbing. Shouldn't there be a giant titan handprint somewhere on the surface of Azeroth then? A hand of that size going to leave a mark. And if there is, where do you think geographically the handprint should be? In the middle of the ocean, north of Pandaria? Keep up the great work, Jacob from Denmark. That is a real good question. I totally forgot that he grabs the planet. I don't know. What do you think? I'm actually looking at the picture right now. Um, I don't know that he's actually touching the planet. He might just be up there in the air. It's hard for me to tell from the images I'm seeing of it. Uh, he's definitely... Um, one of the things is, you know... <sighs> keep in mind, based on scale, and it's hard to tell for sure the actual scale of Sargeras compared to the whole of Azeroth because we don't know how much of it we're seeing in the pictures. But when he's a cloud, he completely wreaths around the planet. Um, so let's assume that solid Sargeras is relatively large. I don't know... In real life, the sword would cause catastrophic events worldwide. Like, if normal Earth physics were involved in this, that would be like a extinction event. 
Because keep in mind that the the asteroid that hit Earth during the time of the dinosaurs was probably not actually that big. It's the force it generated because of its speed and so forth. When we're talking physics, that the the whole physics of Sargeras being that big, it's unthinkable devastation would have followed him hitting the planet with a sword. So in terms of since we know that physics don't apply here, like this is this is not a case where you can sit down and just go, okay, well he's you know as big as a continent, so his hand would be at least as large as Luxembourg, so he's leaving. You know, no, none none of that matters. If his hand is touching the planet at all and is not simply incorporating from his gaseous form, it doesn't follow that it would leave any kind of mark at all. Because when I touch, if I touch Joe, I don't leave a mark on Joe. Like, you know, if I hit Joe, yes. But if I just reach out and touch him, and that seems to be what they're doing with Sargeras and Azeroth there. Their scale, it wouldn't work with actual physics, but they're treating it like Azeroth and Sargeras are two human-sized objects. And then he stabs Azeroth, and the stabbing is the problem, not the, you know, shock wave it should cause. You know, I mean, someone actually sat down and said, well, if we assume this much about the size, the sword would be traveling at 17,000 miles per hour and would create a shockwave that would pretty much destroy Kalimdor. Obviously, that didn't happen. So, yeah. Yeah, part of this okay. is part of this is suspension of disbelief for the rule of cool, um, which I get is sort of a, a weird thing to sort of reconcile as a player character sometimes. But it's also one of those weird things. We're looking at the cinematic again. The gaseous form is sort of an important thing. Don't forget that Sargeras, when the whole cinematic started, he wasn't there. He was forming out of this cloud that was wrapped around Azeroth. Like, so we don't know the context of how that works. Uh, I mean, we could explain it away by saying wibbly-wobbly, tightney stuff. Uh, but it is sort of interesting to think of, like, if that was the case, what would that have happened? What would that have wrought? Uh, and it's really hard. Like, I, I've actually froze and tried to see if we can pinpoint, like, on the map where his hand was, and I can't. Like, it's it's completely obscured. So it's real hard to determine where he land. Or, and to go back to a an, an earlier show, probably from, like, a month ago at this point, maybe two months ago, we were talking about other were other land masses of Azeroth. It's also entirely possible that maybe he did leave a mark. We just don't know where it is yet because we haven't discovered it. Well, yeah, Castellus is fairly south on yep. Callum. It's near the bottom, and it looks like when he's stabbing the picture on the globe, it looks like he's stabbing near the top of it. Yep. Like if you actually look at the scene, which is weird. Um. But yeah, so it's possible he was hanging on to some other continent that's currently got a giant fist-sized crater in it. I mean, planet, you know, hand, giant hand crater where there used to be like some land. That would that would be terrifying and hilarious. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, Sorry, I just think guys. it's I just think it'd be cool to like all of a sudden we have another expansion later on down the line or another content drop that we find this other planet, this other continent or this other landmass that has been completely ravaged. Uh, because of a Titan hand in the same way that most of Azeroth was ravaged by Deathwing. Like, there are just a giant handprint. There's lava coming off of it, or, or whatever the case is. Yeah, I'm looking at the picture right now of when he's getting hoovered away by the space ray, and it looks like he's up on the top of the planet, and then, like, his hand is down further south. 
mm-hmm. but it's really hard to tell because I think he stabs the planet after the giant Uva ray is pulling him up. So, yeah, without actually stopping to watch the video again, which is frowned upon while doing a podcast, um, I can't really <laughs> give you a better answer. Sorry. Uh, our next question comes from my Kelvin. Uh, question for Blizzard Watch: Flying. How is it changing with the new expansion? I am casual, and since uh, the having to unlock flying, I have never unlocked them. Will that change? Short answer: Probably not. Uh, yeah, yeah, I got nothing for you here, dude. They haven't said anything about how they're doing it. They oh. have said literally nothing other than it probably won't be different. Yeah, I mean, they they made it a point. I think it was during one of the panels of this past BlizzCon where they were like, they're happy with how the unlocking is going. They're happy with how that system works. Um, And to a certain degree, I can kind of understand it. Like, this is one of those things where, as a player, I hate it because I want to be able to fly right away. But from a game dev standpoint, I understand. It's easier to balance encounters and leveling experiences and leveling times with known quantities. Um, it's also one of those things where the current system keeps players engaged. And that's a word that you'll hear game devs talk about a lot is player engagement. It keeps players in the game, whether or not, you know, the, the percentage that don't complete it. I'd love to see the numbers of that versus the players that actually spend the time in game to complete it. Because I see a lot of people flying. I don't see a whole lot of people without it. I know there are people that just don't have it. I'm one of them. You are, absolutely. I didn't bother to do it this expansion. I did it in previous expansions. I did it in Warlords, and I did it in Legion. But the grind to do it this time has been so onerous that I have not bothered. And I, and with that in mind, I don't think that's going to change in Shadowlands. I don't. I don't expect to either. I think that you're looking at a situation where they like the fact that people don't fly immediately, and I totally get why they like that fact. And they're willing to accept the, the the trade-off of people being annoyed versus the game being easier to balance at those levels, the leveling content being easier to make. Because the, the harder it is, if, if people are literally just getting up and flying between every place they're supposed to go while leveling and avoiding all that stuff on the world, why do you have it? Yep. Why am I designing this monster if people are just going to fly over it? Let's go back to MUDs where there is no graphics and you just go from quest to quest and deal that way. Yeah, so I get why they're doing it. And I don't think you're going to see a change, dude. Sorry. I know that it's kind of annoying for you, but. Our last question of the evening. Hey, watchers, with the forced mixing of the living and the formerly, formerly living in Shadowlands, don't we run the risk of a lot of plot threads based on misunderstandings unraveling? While I don't envision Sylvanas, Varian, and Vol'jin having a laugh over beers about the big misunderstanding on the Broken Shore, I can't help but think that when you mix so many characters from past storylines, there's got to be many moments where truths previously unknown are revealed to major characters. Do you think that this will play into the story in Shadowlands, or will they try to ignore this possibility? Cheers all, and this is from Stormbringer, uh, who is a 120 Paladin, with a PS, and wherever you are, I hope you're well. Uh, I believe she is doing quite fine. <laughs> yeah. She posts to Twitter every so often. You can follow her at Shades of Grey. Yep. Uh, you, you can see what she's up to. But yeah, I'll let you. Uh, I'll let you go first on this one. I refuse. You go. All right. Fine. <laughs> I don't know. 
Uh, this is going to be a weird thing because we we don't know the state of the Shadowlands really. We know that it's broken, but we don't know what that means. We know that there are things that live there. That doesn't necessarily mean that those things are formerly living. We know that spirit goes there. We don't know what happens to it entirely. Um, it is entirely possible that Varian could be sitting in the maw being tortured because he's a super powerful anima and we might have to save him. I'm confident that that'll probably be a thing at some point where we're going to interact with him or Uther or something like there's going to be past things that come up. And yes, there will probably be story threads that get picked back up. But I also think in this context, I don't think they're just going to instantaneously become omnipotent. Right. Like just because Varian is formerly living or is in the Maw, that doesn't mean he has any idea what was happening on Azeroth while he's been tortured in the Maw. Right. Vol'jin came back. And during that quest line, when you're talking with him, he has no idea of a bunch of stuff like you're bringing him up to speed on things that are happening. And that's. You know, he's been dead, so obviously he didn't see what was going on on Azeroth. And I think we're going to find that more the case. There might still be animosity flaring. It might be one of those things where, depending on what faction they went to or what sub-world they went to or realm of the Shadowlands, it might be amplified. Uh, what is the uh, the one that looks like it's basically out of the 1980s heavy metal? Why can't I think of Maldraxxus? Revendreth? Uh, Revendreth. Rev- yeah. Like, Revendreth talks about the wicked of the wicked, like, not the mall wicked, but, like, wicked that might still be redeemed, but still pretty wicked. What if that amplifies a person's flaws? What if Gul'dan goes there because there's a slim possibility of his, you know, quote-unquote re- I don't, I don't even you know. You can't even make yourself say it. I dude. can't. But like, what if something like that goes, but it just makes it worse, like makes his ambitions worse, makes his anger worse, makes his, I want to kill everything worse. Like there's that option too, right? There's no chance he goes anywhere. No, there's mom. no, there's absolutely not. No, <laughs> but I mean, I don't know. We'll find out soon, but I think, I think we're more likely to see virtues amplified then all of a sudden the characters know everything that's going on. Plus, I mean, there's something else that I think we should point out here that, that I think people keep forgetting. Um, there's all there's stuff that one faction doesn't know that the other faction knows. But there's not necessarily a case where the other faction knows that that faction doesn't know it. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the Broken Shore, which is the one you used when you were talking about Sylvanas and Varian and Vol'jin. First off, Sylvanas could not care less because she's involved in this whole thing. So if you told her, oh, wait, the Alliance just didn't know. She didn't care. The war is perfectly suitable to her plans. She never was concerned about that. Secondly, if you went to the Alliance and said, look, I've got evidence that the Horde didn't meet, didn't pull out to betray us, the Alliance reaction would be, they still pulled out. They had to hold. And they, they, still, they still burned a tree. Yeah. They, forget that. If we're just talking about the Broken Shore... Um, Jaina's response would probably be along the lines of, but they still pulled out. You know, in in a military campaign, if you are setting up a military campaign to defend the entire planet from the Burning Legion, and one side decides we're too important, we're not going to take the casualties necessary, and pulls out, you've just doomed everything. Yep. 
it was your job to stand there. You wanted that, that height. You took it, and then you didn't defend it. It doesn't really matter that you thought that, you know, Vol'jin looked at it and said, we're going to get wiped out, or that Sylvanas did, because it was actually Sylvanas who made the decision to pull out. It doesn't matter what she was thinking. You know, in, in war, sometimes it is your job to die. Yep. You know, um, that is the case. It's not the question the Alliance doesn't understand what the Horde did. The Alliance does not accept what the Horde did. Now, the Horde can say, you know, but we would have been killed. And that's, if I'm the Horde, that's perfectly compelling. You know, we were lost. We'd already lost and we pulled out to avoid any more casualties. Is a, it's a perfectly fine argument. But if you are making a, a military decision, sometimes you have to make the decision to sacrifice those people. And you can't tell me Sylvanas Windrunner doesn't know that. I mean, she sacrifices she people like pawns. That's what she does. Yeah, but but even when she was alive, when she was defending, you know, well, yeah, the, she was the, a general. Know, when she was defending Quothalas from the scourge, she did that exact thing. Yep. And she and she had to. You know, it's just knowing the the the, the why people did stuff isn't always going to be a panacea. If you have a very different view of what they did. And I don't think we're going to be in a situation where suddenly, you know, um, you know, Doomhammer is going to show up and be, this is why I did the things I did as Horde, as, as Horde War Chief. And the Alliance is going to be like, you're right. <laughs> you, know, it, you know, I never thought about how you were trying to murder us all because you had no place to go back home. Now that I've thought about that for a while, F you. That's not my problem. <laughs> it has never been my problem that you destroyed your own planet demon, with demon worship. Now... And then brought it here. And then, you know, thanks, by the way. Uh, so, so there's knowing the other person's motivations can help sometimes. It can help bring about a more, a, a more even footing and, you know, an actual desire to talk things out. But it's like Joe said in my response, you, you know, when, when he, was, he said, you still burn that tree. It's going to be real hard to come up with anything that's going to make that one okay. Yep. You know, it's good just, and that's that's the way of things. Sometimes all the understanding in the world does not actually bring peace. And sometimes no matter what you find out, things are still bad and maybe sometimes they're even worse. So I don't really feel like we're going to be in a situation where Vol'jin's going to discover that, you know, well, the Alliance didn't know, you know what I'm saying? I don't think it's going to matter. I think at this point enough water has passed under that particular bridge that we're not all going to sit down and have a chuckle and, and, you know, go to a bar together and everything's fine. I think that, you know, any future rapprochement is going to have to be earned. And there's going to be plenty of opportunity to screw that up too, because wow, we're good at that. And that's fine. And I don't think it's bad. It's certainly, I wouldn't mind a story where we get to see the perspectives of groups that we haven't gotten to see this far. I would love it if we got to see actual Andrew and Lothar showed up. Oh yeah, that'd and we be great. got to talk to him and see what he thought of everything that's been going on in Azeroth, if he's even aware of it. Because as Joe pointed out, Fulgin had no clue what was going on. So it's quite frankly, you know, imagine Andrew and Lothar, and the Alliance shows up, and he's like, "Yes, it's good to see you." And who's the giant goat person with you? Oh, right, this is a Draenei. You've never met them. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, he's he's cool. He's with me. He 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 serves the Holy Light. You're a paladin, aren't you? Yes, I have been a paladin for five thousand years. And, and Lothar's like, what? What? You've had paladins for five? Oh yeah, it's it's quite common. Well, 
What is what is this elf creature made entirely of void and is anathema to the light? Oh no 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 that's that's a void elf. They joined the alliance a while back. They're they're cool. They're our friends. By the way, the other elf who's also tall, really tall and dark skin. Yeah, that's a night elf. They they're also yeah yeah. You wouldn't know what they are either, but you know what I'm saying. Like not these guys are have been dead, so they really aren't necessarily up on what the current events are. And can't really shed too much light on things that have happened since because they just don't know. Yeah, and I mean, now, I we guess don't know who we're going to see. Like, are we going to get to see Anastarian Sunstrider? He's going to be like the what? What do you mean you joined the horde? The orcs are the ones who burned our forest back. They, they killed half. Of Sylvanas Windrunner is a what? Yeah. <laughs> and, and I mean, and, and something to keep in mind in all this too. Like one of the premises for the setup of this, and even one of the premises for one of the old setups, like not the there isn't necessarily complete vision into each realm, right? Like Odin gave up an eye to like do his thing and he had to use Helia to reach into the Shadowlands. He couldn't do that on his own. Like there are not everybody can see everything. So if I, I it's, I don't see it like a, a one way mirror, right? Or two way mirror, whatever the heck they call it. Um, no, and for that matter. I mean, you're, just by bringing that up, you're bringing up one thing where, like that, there's so many like dangling plot threads that are connected to the Shadowlands that we could see in this expansion. I mean, Odin and Helia are just one of them. Oh yeah. We we know as of Battle for Azeroth that Helia still exists. Yep. But we have no idea what she's been doing. Nope. Or where she's you know where you could even find her. So there's that. There's tons of stuff. What is Odin's like? You know, <laughs> Odin's been up there. Like we see at the end of, of Battle for Azeroth that like there's something going on in Alduar and we have no idea what it is. And the last time we talked to Odin, he's like, I should go visit Alduar. Like, is is he responsible for the for Mimiron just not wanting to talk to Mother? Like, what's what's going on up in Alduar? Is it related to his plan to keep mining the Shadowlands and taking souls out? Because that's what he's been doing this whole time. All if you played a warrior in in Legion, all those big Stormforged Valkyrie you saw were their souls were taken out of the Shadowlands by Odin. All the all the 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 Valkyr, they're made to transverse between the living realm and the the Shadowlands. That's what they do. They're effectively like reverse engineered Kyrians. What what is Odin's current plan? What is he doing in the Shadowlands? That's something we really don't know, and would be really I'm really interested in finding out if they touch on it. And he's very much knowing what Odin's doing would probably make things a lot worse. Not. Oh better. yeah. But that's, that's what I'm hoping for though, with this expansion, right? Like me personally, I don't want the characters that we interact with to know everything. I want the surprise. I want the sort of drama and realization of us bringing them up to speed or, you know, I want those moments and I think that those are really cool and would be really organic as far as like storytelling goes inside of this expansion coming up. Whereas if you just run into, you know, any of the, the deceased super important lore people and they go, yeah, I know everything that's been going on. Like, yeah, don't worry. I've been watching. Like, yeah, but even if, even if they don't know anything other than the stuff they experienced in their lives, um, I don't think that that follows that even if like, to again use the broken there, there haven't been that many misunderstandings create problems storylines oh, yeah. in wow the only one i that we really even think of is the broken shore thing and that wasn't really a misunderstanding the horde did something the alliance didn't see the reasons they did it 
it doesn't follow the Alliance would have agreed with those reasons even if they had seen them. Yeah. And that's the thing that I, I always think people keep missing. They look at that and go, but the, but the Horde had to pull out. Like, the Horde decided they had to pull out, and maybe they were right. But it's not just that the Alliance didn't see it. The Alliance was depending on the Horde not doing it. Yep. And they did it. It doesn't matter... If I'm counting on you to do something, you can have a really good reason to not do it, and I'll still be annoyed with you. It's like, yeah, that's great, man. We, we talked about it. You promised. Like, but I had to. My, my wife was choking on a peanut. Okay, you couldn't get the peanut out and then come back? You couldn't get, give me a, like, like a heads up of any kind? No, man, she was choking on a peanut. Like that, These things can still cause problems, and we've moved to the point where it, no amount of wacky misunderstandings are going to fix this at this point. The situation between the Horde and Alliance is not in a good place. Nope. And no amount of Scooby-Doo plots are going to get us out of this one. <laughs> you know? Nope. So I, I don't think, I don't think going and actually having, like, first off, who would we even talk to? Like, Sylvanas is not going to sit there and go, by the way, the Broken Shore totally had to do it. Uh, and who else is there to talk to? Bane's already still alive. If Bane wanted to clear that one up, he could. He could go to to Andrew and say, "By the way, this was all a misunderstanding." That, that's we don't have to go to the Shadowlands for that. That's there are people alive right now who could tell him that. Um, but I feel like Andrew's response would be, "Yes, was the burning when you burned down an entire Alliance city was that also a mistake? Like, did you guys think, oops, oops, we dropped that catapult ball, we dropped those multiple catap- burning catapult, uh, you know, bombs on your city?" are bad really sorry about that so yeah i don't think that it's necessarily even an issue at this point learning more isn't gonna fix everything it isn't gonna like whoopsie doodle our way through and i also don't think that we're gonna be in contact with the shadowlands after shadowlands like i don't know what you think about that one i have no idea i I... (laughs) Uh, but that's all the questions we have folks uh, Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. Your continued support means this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcasts, a better chance at having your questions answered on our podcast with a queue, and an ads-free site experience. Uh, Rossi, uh, any parting thoughts? I was just going to ask you, uh, since we've got the time, uh, before I do this, though, I'm going to throw out the email address again. If you've got an email for the show, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast, you know, subject line podcast or Blizzard Watch so we know it's for the show. But now, for the, for the thing I was going to ask you because it was, it's been bugging me, what do you think is the single most iconic transmog look for your class? Uh... For shaman, yes, for shaman, we can be hunter rather. But... Ten thunder, ten thunders, is, I think, is probably the iconic one. And that's if, uh, tier one or tier two? Tier one, I believe. Yeah, All ten right, thunders is tier one. See, so for warriors, um, it's either tier six or tier ten, in my opinion. Um, tier ten's really cool. Uh, but tier six is like the first time warriors had a set that really, to me, said warrior. Uh, tier two is good, but it's kind of like got a lot of axe blades on it for no real reason. <laughs> like axe shoulders, axe hat. I don't know. It looks less warrior and more. I'm pretending to be a shark. To me, uh, I don't know why, but for me, it's either tier six or tier ten. I like both those sets a lot. And I think both those sets really do look like their class to a great degree. 
Yeah. Oh, sorry. Ten Storms was tier two. Sorry. Tier two. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. At ten one was Earth Fury, which was kind of weird, but like Earth Fury's weird. The Giant Stalker's weird. Um, like I think always think Dragon Stalker was the set I think of when I think of Hunters. Yeah, I think um, that one. And you know what? I would say for the Hunter, it's one that's really really hard to obtain now. But the original tier three Hunter set was Crip Stalker. Pro- yeah, Crip Stalker is really good. Crip Stalker was probably the iconic one for me because it was really the epitome of I'm a hunter, I'm taking trophies, I'm working these trophies into my armor. Like that was just like the the thing. So See, I like tier three, but they ruined it by letting everybody use it. So now I see like paladins with tier three shoulders. So yeah, for me it's I'm gonna stick with tier six. I think I'm gonna say ultimately it's tier six. Tier six is the iconic warrior look. Well, that's fair. But all right. I guess that's it for us, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, we will be back next week. <laughs>